the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Hello and good afternoon. Bob Bergman here for another episode of Plan Your Estate Radio. I'm going to be going in a little different direction on the show today, but first of all, I'd like to uh, remind you that you can email me your questions or show comments to now radio at lawbob.com. That's L-A-W-B-O-B.com. Visit my website at lawbob.com. You can also watch my videos on my YouTube channel, Law Offices of Robert P. Bergman. And uh, if you'd like to call in today, you can call the station at 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Today, I thought I would change direction a little bit, and I'm going to introduce um, a new, what will be a segment in the future of my shows, probably a recurring segment uh, from week to week, that is going to be questions and comments Not a very clever title, I know. I may come up with a catchier title once I think about it. But essentially, the segment will be dealing with questions, uh, both questions that come in from those of you who send questions in to me, and also questions that I pull off of various sites on the Internet where people are going to attorneys such as myself and asking questions about various kinds of estate planning topics. So um, it's not like I don't have enough questions to answer for people who call my office. I get a lot of calls, and I'm happy to spend some time on the phone answering some questions for people, and if it's appropriate, inviting them to come in for a consultation with me. But I do find that there's lots of people all over the state of California who are regularly asking questions Some of them very straightforward, easy to answer, others more complicated. So I thought that today I would share with you some of the situations that I have seen just in the last month or so. So let's get started with that. First one I see is from someone who asked the question, can I mention a deceased person in a will? And they indicated to make it easier to refer to their children that way. Well, yes, uh, you can always mention someone who has already passed in your will. In fact, it's a common enough thing if someone has lost a uh, has lost a child, for example, 
to mention the child in the will and indicate that the child is now deceased. But I think what this person was asking is, if I want to leave property to this person's children, then can I mention them in my will and the fact that they're deceased in order to help identify who their children are. The children might be individually named. The children might be identified as a class, such as the children of John Smith, deceased. So that's a pretty straightforward one, and it's not an unusual situation uh, to come across in planning. Another question. Can a permanent resident of the United States be the successor trustee of a living trust? Now, the situation that was described is that a couple moved to the United States from another country, have lived here for 70 years as permanent residents, and one spouse passed away, the couple had a living trust, and the surviving spouse became the successor trustee of the trust. And then they said, and I'm assuming some third party that has thinks or thinks they have an interest in the trust, said that the surviving spouse could not be the trustee because he's only a permanent resident and not a U.S. citizen. Well, let's address that. First of all, if you're a permanent resident of the United States and you live here and you're a taxpayer here, you have pretty much the same rights as a trustee uh, and maybe even the same rights essentially inheriting um, not exactly the same as a citizen spouse, but you have the right to be the successor trustee of a trust. Where it gets to be an issue is if the successor trustee is a non-citizen, non-resident of the United States. And then if that's the case, that would trigger a special trust status for the trust called a foreign trust. It's subject to special IRS rules and regulations And in order to avoid foreign trust status, it's necessary to get a U.S. citizen trustee, or in some cases, if the estate's large enough, a U.S. corporate trustee to act as the primary trustee handling investment and distributions. A non-citizen, non-resident trustee can only handle purely administrative tasks without triggering that foreign trust status. So that was an excellent question. And whoever they are that's telling this surviving spouse that they can't be the trustee, well, that's just not true unless they don't live here. And then it still isn't true. It just could make it more complicated. Now, another question uh, that came out of uh, closer to my neighborhood. How long does it typically take to process a trust after someone dies? This is an excellent question. We know that probate, and if you listen to earlier shows, you know that probate takes typically nine months to a year or more. Two years is not unusual. And during that time, very little can happen other than maybe sell property, collect the proceeds, put them and invest them until they can be distributed at the very end of the process. Now, in this particular instance, people are curious and they're worried whether the trustee of the trust is improperly managing the trust. They said it's been, quote, worked through since January of last year, which by my calculations is about uh, almost 18 months when the person died. 
But more troubling is they indicated the trustee has moved money from the trust account into their personal account in the last two months. And I'll tell you right now, that is a no-no. Okay? Um, Unless the trustee is reimbursing themselves for monies that they spent on behalf of the trust, in which case they have to account for all that, they should really notify the other beneficiaries ahead of time what they intend to do to see if there's any objection from those beneficiaries. And maybe more importantly, if they're concerned about that, they can always petition the court for permission to do things. Here, the trustee is one of the beneficiaries, and the other beneficiaries are considering hiring an attorney to get this sorted out. That ultimately may be the only thing that could be done because it sounds like the trustee may not actually have legal counsel assisting them as they handle this trust administration process. I would not recommend someone be a trustee without professional assistance from an attorney, probably an accountant as well, maybe even a realtor to sell property. And if it's a large enough estate with investable assets, an investment advisor or manager to handle things while the trust administration is going on. Now, let's see. uh, I think I have time for one more before the break. How do you change the trustee of a special needs trust without the courts being involved? Well, pretty much you have to look at what the trust says. If the trust gives a mechanism in there that says you can do it by uh, successor uh, successor trustee appointing someone or a committee of people appointing someone, you can do that. Otherwise, you're pretty much going to have to go into the court system. Now, as we go on here, I want to make sure that we're understanding um, that what I'm covering right now are a number of different questions that have come up on uh, websites out there where people ask attorneys like myself questions. So I'll be back after the break with more of those questions and my comments. Let's face it, we love This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, I'm back. I hope you had a great break like I did. Took a few sips of water and I'm ready to go again. Before the break, I introduced uh, what's going to be a new segment uh, on my show, Questions and Comments. Uh, Today's show is going to be all questions and comments as I relate to you questions that have been posted on various message boards and other boards directed towards attorneys such as myself uh, in order to see if people can get some answers or some guidance. Uh, I put a lot of these answers up myself on these boards And on one in particular, I'm very proud to say that I have 23 of my answers so far that have been indicated as the best answer by the person posting the question uh, and uh, helping them out. In fact, I had someone call me the other day, six months after I did that, and now they're talking about coming in to have me help the family deal with the situation that was raised uh, with one of these questions about six months ago. So I'll let you know if you're in my area and you post a question, you're probably going to get an answer, and hopefully it will be a good one 
that might induce you to come in and see if I can help you out with that. Now, uh, speaking of which, there's actually uh, uh, another one from my area that went up that asked, uh, can I write an addendum to my trust requesting to leave my caregiver monies upon my death? Uh, Can I do this without a lawyer? And this person said, uh, I want to leave my caregiver cash upon my passing. Nothing wrong with that. But said, my daughter is a trustee and does not agree. I want to do it anyway. Well, let's address this. Um, It is possible to give money as part of your estate plan, either by will or by trust, to a caregiver. Now, caregivers, there are certain categories of caregivers where if you give them more than $5,000 of value of gift, there is a presumption that that gift was made because of the undue influence of the caregiver over you. Because clearly, if you have someone that's making your meals, that's bathing you, that's helping you in and out of bed, that might be toileting you, that's a term we use, actually helping you use the restroom and everything, and you are dependent heavily on them, then there's always the risk that that caregiver will use that influence and that dependency that you have to try to induce you to give them things or leave them money or property when you pass away. So that's legitimate. Um, We actually have laws on this subject, and one of them has to do with the caregiver. If the caregiver is an immediate family member, uh, like a son or daughter or something like that, the rules don't really apply in the same way. Undue influence could still be in there if suddenly your estate plan changes to leave almost everything to that son or daughter that's been taking care of you. That could trigger a a problem with the rest of the family. But here the issue is, if you wanted to give, say this person here wanted to give $10,000 cash to the caregiver that maybe has been taking care of him or her for several years, In order to do that and withstand any kind of a challenge from the other beneficiaries saying that it was undue influence, you have to get what's called a certificate of indent review. That means that you have to have the proposed gift reviewed by an attorney who interviews the person who wants to make the gift by their will or by their trust and then issues an opinion that the person knows exactly what they're doing, no one is pressuring them to do this, and that there's nothing wrong with the gift and kind of says the gift should go forward. That is intended to overcome the presumption that I just mentioned that it was undue influence. In this case, though, if the daughter is objecting and is going to be the trustee, I'd be concerned that even with a certificate of independent review, the daughter may just completely ignore the parent's wishes, and not give the caregiver that gift. That kind of raises the question whether or not the daughter should be the successor trustee. So you see how sometimes an innocent question can actually lead to a more serious discussion. Should the daughter be the trustee if she doesn't agree with what the parent wants to do? Um, my argument me maybe not. Maybe you need to go to a professional trustee. Maybe you need to go to another family member who doesn't appear to be as emotionally involved in this decision. 
Now, here's another one that uh, I think is kind of interesting. Here, um, someone talks about um, the, the son. Uh, can a surviving spouse sell property without notifying or splitting proceeds with the heirs? Now, here it says the son is the executor of mom's will. Mom owned a lot of property in California. Mom's surviving spouse, not the father of the son, so we're talking about a stepfather, has sold several properties without notifying the children or splitting the proceeds with them. Is this legal? What is the recourse of the surviving children? I'll tell you what, there are so many questions tied up in in this one thing right here. There's issues that have to be addressed. Number one, if the son's the executor of the will of the mother and the mother owned the properties in her name only, I have no idea how the stepfather could be selling anything if his name is not on the title. That raises the question whether or not the mother had added her new husband to the title of the properties in some form that makes the properties go to the stepfather. In other words, if she put the stepfather on as joint tenants with right of survivorship or as community property with right of survivorship, those would completely trump the will of the mother. She may not have realized it at the time, but that's what the effect would be. If, on the other hand, she put her husband on as community property, then her share of that property would be controlled by her will and would not pass to her husband. So I think that there is something going on here that the family's not aware of. They need to immediately check the title of all these properties to see whether their mother actually added the stepfather on the title as a co-owner of some kind, as a um, as a surviving joint tenant or as community property with right of survivorship. It's very, very serious, but I think that's the only way that the stepfather could be selling properties without notifying mom's children or splitting proceeds with them. It's that she made provision to have it all passed to him. She may have done it inadvertently. She may have done it by mistake, in which case the children may have to go to court and try to demonstrate that. Maybe the stepfather induced her to do that, and she didn't know what she was doing. Maybe she lacked mental capacity. A lot of different things could be going on there, and there's no real way to tell without this family doing some more research or having an attorney do research for them to find out just how this property was actually titled. Now, in the third segment today, I'm going to come back with some more of these stories. And some of them, you're finding out, may be actually horror stories when it comes to the heirs. But hopefully, you'll hear something today that will apply to you or someone you know, and you'll realize that there's things that can be done or should be done. Talk with you after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Today's show, I've been focusing on various questions that have come through attorney sites where uh, ordinary people 
like uh, like you and me are asking attorneys like me questions dealing with estate planning topics. And as you've probably heard so far, if you've been listening, you know there's a lot of different topics. I've been covering a lot of different issues. So in this segment, I'm going to probably try and get through about three or four more of these, and then I'll wind up the show at the end with uh, with a few more before we're done for the day. If you'd like to call in with any questions right now, the number is 800-516-1220. That's 800 800- 516-1220. Please also feel free to email your questions or comments to me for a future show at radio at lawbob.com. That's L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. Radio at lawbob.com. Now this next one uh, looks like it comes out of Southern California and it's titled Concerns in protecting properties with living trust with prenup when surviving parent remarries. Now, I'm sure there's people out there who have a step parent, maybe a parent passed away, and then the surviving parent remarried, um, often married someone who is younger. In this particular case, there's a dad who's a widow, or widower rather, And he is in the process of remarrying a much younger lady. And according to this person, who's probably a child, this younger lady has shown significant interest in the property that he owns rather than marrying dad for love. Now, this is not an unusual situation at all. Um, I've seen it several times in my practice. I've seen it in extended family. Not an unusual thing. Most of the time it works out just fine. Other times it works out really, really badly for the family. Now, dad has several properties that the original mom and dad had in a living trust with all the children as the beneficiaries. The living trust was updated but left the same distribution of the kids after mom died. And dad wants to honor mom's wishes. Now, Dad has gone to an attorney for a prenuptial agreement with his fiance. Now, what is a prenup? That's what we call it, a prenup. Prenuptial agreement is where the parties intending to get married each go, and in California, they're supposed to get their own separate attorneys, and they negotiate how they're going to own their property, who's going to get what when someone dies, what property is going to be kept by one or the other spouse. Maybe in some cases, um, the spouse that has very little property, how much would they get if the marriage ends in the future? With celebrities, sometimes you'll see that, and they actually put in, every year you are married with me, you get another million dollars. So you stay with me 10 years, you get $10 million, but I keep my $200 million estate that I've accumulated as an actor or producer or director or whatever it happens to be. That's very, very common. So the question here is, and the question that they had is, if the prenup is not explicitly covering it, would the properties that are owned by dad Would the new wife coming in, the stepmom, be entitled to the increase or to share in the increase in the growth of those properties, the equity increase, 
after the marriage, even though dad wants all the properties to go to the children entirely after his death. <clears throat> well, I think it's very clear that that the prenuptial agreement is the place to address this. In this case, they want to know, is there a post or after marriage nuptial agreement to protect this? No. Um, the prenuptial agreement should address that up front. Who owns the property? Where does any future appreciation go? Uh, and in a case like this, if they're really, really concerned about dad changing things after the fact, they might want to talk with dad about one or more of the children going on to the trust as co-trustees with dad and maybe dad amending the trust to provide that any change in the dispositive provisions, meaning the provisions of the trust that say where the trust property goes when dad passes away, that any change in in disposition has to be with the consent not only of dad as the as the person who is the creator and beneficiary of the trust, but also of the serving trustees of the trust. I actually did this for a client um, a number of years ago who was being pressured by his newer wife to leave her more and more and more property. And she was actually threatening that she would leave him if he didn't do that. And he was older, she was younger, and he relied very heavily on her. So he didn't want to divorce her, which is something I told him he probably needed to consider because it wasn't going anywhere. So instead, we put a provision like I just described into his estate plan. And one of his two daughters went on as a co-trustee on his trust, who was also going to take over if he became disabled, and then put in a provision that the disposition could not be changed without the consent of him and his daughter, who was his co-trustee. So it required the trustee's consent. All the trustees had to consent, whether it was one daughter or his other daughter as well. So that really is um, kind of how to address that right there. This family said their um, the dad remarrying is truly a nightmare, and I can tell you that I have seen it happen where someone has remarried and they change the entire estate plan and when they die, the new spouse, the stepmother or stepfather, gets everything, and the kids get nothing. That's not what the first spouse to die intended. That's not even what the couple intended when they created their estate plan. But there are ways to protect uh, ways to protect the inheritance of the children. And a prenup's one way. Another way might be having a trust that leaves the first spouse's share in trust for the survivor, but not able to be changed where it goes so that it's automatically going to go to the children. Now, here is another interesting one that's that's uh, also involves a marriage. In this case, a long term marriage. Um, There was a person we'll call her Jane, married 30 years, had three kids and a home and property with her husband, John. John died. Then along comes David. David lived with Jane for 21 years, the last 13 of which they were married and lived in Jane's property and maintained the property. Jane died three years ago. Her name's the only one on the property deed. 
her three children offered David $5,000 to just get out of the house. Uh, his problem was he paid 4000 to a lawyer and to help him out. Nothing's happened. Um, and then, um, then now two of the children have been made administrators in probate of their mother's estate. And this person wants to know what are their rights. Well, I'll tell you right now. If this was a 13-year marriage, he lived in the property. He maintained the property. Uh, if income from his employment was used to maintain the property or income from her employment was used to maintain the property, and in this case, there was no prenuptial agreement outlining things, he probably has been acquiring a community property interest for the 13 years of marriage, uh, which is half of at least the equity increase from the time that he got married to Jane, and therefore offering him $5,000 to get out, he's probably entitled to a lot more than that, depending on the value of the property. And if there are stocks, bonds, mutual funds, he may be entitled to some of any increase in value or share of the increase in value, maybe 50% of the increase in value from the time that he got married with Jane. So this is actually a very complex situation and something that um, that hopefully he'll be able to find someone that can assist him so that he's not basically cheated out of a share of the property that he likely should be entitled to. Now here, here's a good one. And I see this all the time. Who has the right to a copy of dad's last will and testament? This person's the oldest daughter. Do I have a right to his will? In this case, the brother has a copy of dad's last will and testament, but won't make a copy for his sister. So does the sister have a right to a copy? Where can she get a copy of her dad's last will and testament? Well, first of all, whoever, if dad died, I'm assuming from this that dad died. If dad has died, whoever has dad's original will is legally required to take that will and file it with the Superior Court Probate Department of the county where dad lived. In this case, this looks like Ventura County. So they'd have to file in Ventura County so that the will is, what we call it, is lodge the will with the court. Lodging the will with the court means that now it's available for anyone to look at. So the first thing this person should do is check to see if the will was lodged with the court. If it wasn't and she's named as a beneficiary, she's absolutely entitled to a copy of the dad's will. And if the brother's not willing to provide it, she actually, unfortunately, may need to go to court to compel him to file the will and make sure that a copy is now available to her. Otherwise, he's probably removed from having any kind of authority as the administrator of this will. So after the break, I'll be coming back with the final segment of today's show, which is all questions and comments. So after the break, this is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, I'm back, and welcome to the final segment of our show today, Comments and Questions. In the future, this segment will likely be dedicated 
exclusively to comments and questions until I can come up with a with a catchier title than that. So I got a few more to share with you today. One of them is actually closely related to the one I ended the previous segment, which is, in this case, uh, dad recently passed away and the stepmom is reluctant to show dad's children the trust paperwork that dad and stepmom had created. Uh, in this case, we got a child who's the trustee of parents' trust. I assume they mean the successor trustee, but the stepmother keeps avoiding letting this child and the siblings see the details of the trust since the dad passed. What this tells me is that the stepmother is the only one that has the original and or copy of the trust document. So, you know, clearly the children want to make sure that that the stepmom is doing all of the last wishes of the dad, and they want to know what rights do they have regarding access to the trust documents. Well, remember how I mentioned how if you have a will after someone dies, there's a legal requirement that you lodge that will or file it with the probate court in the county where the person lived? Well, there's a similar requirement uh, in reference to a trust, which is that the trustee of the trust has to give a notice under the probate code to all of the beneficiaries named in the trust document, letting them know that the person has died. And this is if the trust now has some or all of it that is irrevocable rather than revocable. That would typically happen when an individual dies and they had a living trust. And it sometimes will happen when one spouse dies, if the trust has specific distributions to be made to people or if the trust provides for uh, a division of the trust property into a surviving spouse's share and a deceased spouse's share. In this case, it's hard to tell whether the trust that the stepmother has has an actual requirement that she share the details with dad's children. Because if the trust says everything goes to stepmom, they are not beneficiaries yet. If it's still a revocable trust, she can change everything, change all the rules and leave the property some other direction. Those children don't have any any rights yet as what we call remainder beneficiaries. So it's hard to tell from this whether they have the right to anything, but at the very least... They should uh, press the stepmother and ask her, are we mentioned? Do we get anything from the trust? And if she's not willing to be forthcoming, they may need to go to court to compel that. Then she can show up and she can provide proof that they're not actually beneficiaries. But when a step-parent is acting this kind of uh, close to the chest, holding their cards kind of close in so no one else can see what's going on, to me that raises red flags. Now, here's another one, an interesting one. couple created a trust, didn't name any beneficiaries when they created the trust. Now, what was the point of creating the trust? Um, the trust states all assets are community property, and what happened was they transferred everything into the trust ownership. Wife died, and the husband was so depressed that he didn't do anything after wife died to do any administration of the trust, and then he died. Now, the person who's taken over who's addressing this question um, is the successor trustee um, 
because wife died first and wanted to know, can I now transfer this into my personal name as the first heir in line? Meaning, remember, there's no beneficiaries in the trust or the wills per intestacy. That means when you die without an estate plan of any kind, no will, no trust, anything like that. Uh, Does it have to include the title of trustee of the trust? Well, the short answer is, if the trust has no beneficiary, it's going to pass into the estate of the surviving husband. Because he died second, the trust has no beneficiary unless they can go to court and show by other evidence that there were, in fact, beneficiaries that the people intended. Maybe there was an oversight, they weren't put in properly, or whatever it happens to be. That means with no beneficiaries, you're back to having no plan at all. And essentially, the husband died intestate because he did not have a legal document directing where his property would go. That would mean that his heirs under the law might be the ones who actually end up receiving the property. Not necessarily the children of the wife, if those were different children than the children of the husband. So that's kind of a messed up situation. And I hope they get that one sorted out and they get legal counsel to help them because they're probably going to end up going to probate court to get it sorted out. Okay, here's one. It's a really easy one. I inherited 50% of a home that was owned by my mother and my cousin. My mom passed away 10 years ago and changed me to uh, from trustee to a joint owner with my cousin. Then I added my husband to the title on my 50%. Will that trigger a reassessment? Answer, no. There is, um, if you heard my last show last week, there is actually an exclusion from reassessment for transfers between spouses. It's an interspousal transfer specifically excluded from reassessment. Well, that's pretty much all for today. I hope you found this show enjoyable, that you learned some new things, maybe heard something that applies to you or someone you know or another relative. And you can let them know that I'm here, Attorney Bob Bergman, 408-247-0444, or rpb at lawbob.com if you want to email me directly, or lawbob.com to schedule a consultation. Until next week, goodbye. Or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.